Thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast from Discovery Church. Our hope is that this message would help you seek truth and find purpose. If you would like to know more about Discovery Church, please check us out online at mydiscoverychurch.ca. That said, let's go to this week's message. You may be looking up here today and be like, what is Lauren wearing? Is, I, I, I broke up my vintage Michael Jordan jersey. I dusted off my, uh, my, my Jordans. And uh, it, it, does have, it does have a point. But if you're, for the first time, I don't usually wear this. Um, I, I might not get much better than this, but I don't usually wear this. Uh, so, but, uh, Pat, if you were here for the past couple months, you've heard that I'm probably a sports fan. I like our Oilers, even though right now they're like a prodigal son, it seems like. Just like they're losing all the time. But, but I, still, I still like the Oilers. But my first, my first sports love was basketball. And you're like, what? That short, white, slow, old guy likes basketball. Yes, I actually, one of my dreams, one of my dreams as, as a kid and as a teenager was to be the first Newfoundlander. Now, don't hold that against me. I am originally from Newfoundland. So if there's like a few words that you need to like sort of wonder what I'm saying. Well, it's, it's my accent probably coming out a little bit. And, uh, but I, I, my dream was to, to be the first Newfoundland-born NBA player. Yes, at five foot 11 and white. But I was, I, I got my dad, my dad to build me a basketball court in my backyard. So in grade nine, between grade nine and grade 10, I actually convinced them enough. I was like, dad, can you, can you build me a basketball court? And from years and years and years, he was like, okay, we'll finally do it. I built a basketball court in my backyard and I would spend upwards of literally eight hours a day uh, shooting hoops. And if you see me play today, you should, you should have spent 18 hours a day, not just eight. Uh, but I, I, I spent so much time playing basketball in the middle of the winter. Now, winter here is cold, but we don't get a lot of snow in Edmonton. There's some years that we've gotten like maybe a, a couple feet. But I remember times in Newfoundland where there was like four and five feet of snow that would fall overnight. And I would be the crazy kid out there shoveling off my basketball court, like four feet, five feet of snow to shoot hoops in the like blowing, gusting winter. I'd be dribbling the ball all throughout my community. My community is only 500 people. So it's kind of like walking from here to 23rd, 23rd Ave. And I would just dribble the ball all the time. My favorite time of year though, because I'm a sports fan, is the month of October. Why? My wife is like, oh, not this one again. Well, I, I was born in October, uh, so that makes a favorite. But, but it, baseball season is in the playoffs. NFL and CFL are like right in the thick of things. The NBA and NHL are all starting again. It is like the prime time for, for a sports lover. And I, love, I love the month of October. My wife's like, there's nothing that gets done around um, the month of October. So next year is like... Maybe I'll just get like guest speakers the whole month of October so I can watch sports the whole time. I probably won't do that, but I might use a whole lot more sports analogies. But I did have this dream of being the first Newfoundland-born player to play in the NBA. And I remember spending so much time playing basketball. Hours and hours and hours and snow shovel and snow shovel. I remember, I remember it wasn't too long ago that my big day came. I remember walking into the arena. I hear the sound of, of shoes squeaking on the court, freshly, freshly waxed. I remember walking down to court, to the court, and being so close. 
You ever be in a place where like, like there's something happening, but you're sort of it's so in awe, you're so distracted that like it seems like in the distance, but you know it's right there. And I remember, I remember walking down, walking down to the court, hearing it and smelling it, and the atmosphere that was in the arena was incredible. And I remember being so close. I remember hearing the coach, but he seemed so distant. But he, he was so close that I could, I, I could touch him. But I, I was so awestruck by, by where I was at at that very moment that all I could do was hear him in the distance. My moment was now. My moment was this very moment to be, to be the player that I wanted to be. And in that very moment, my wife hit me and said, these seats are really good. <laughs> These seats are like 12 rows behind the Chicago Bulls bench. My very first NBA game. Uh, I had some of you guys. I hope I had some of you. It's like, what? Did this short, little, white, slow guy actually get close to playing in the NBA? Never. Never came close. Not even, that's the closest I got. I, I heard the coach of the Chicago Bulls uh, yelling at his players uh, in huddle. Uh, so uh, that's the closest I ever got. But have you ever been in a place where you've worked so hard for something in your life? That it just fell short. Or you've spent so much time perfecting a skill or to become good at something to only get there to, to, to make it, for it to still feel, leave you feeling unfulfilled and unhappy. Maybe you've spent so much time to get that car and that house and that perfect family and, and, and a good pension only to get there and be like, this wasn't really worth all the work. I've been there. In the Bible, it says in, in 1 Corinthians, it says this. It says, 1 Corinthians 7, Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. Now, before you, like, throw basketballs or come and pound me because i am got a Bulls jersey on, uh, I'm not saying it's wrong to set goals in your life or have New Year's resolutions, or to work towards good things. But the problem is, and I want to illustrate in a moment, the problem with working towards things in our lives that we feel will will make us feel accomplishment or fulfilled or or more valuable is if we elevate them to the the point that that's the most important thing in our lives. That's the point where it will leave us being empty and unfulfilled. And I want to talk this morning about something that will never, ever leave you unfulfilled or unhappy or, 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 or leaving, you, leaving you wishing you had, had something that, that wasn't this. And that's the, pre- the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God. And, and this morning I want to talk to us about a message that's called the pursuit of presence. And I want to illustrate it. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a story in Exodus and it's a guy by the name of Moses. If you were here last week, we, we looked when Moses passed away and he handed over uh, the, the role of leader of the Israelites to, jo- uh, to, jo- uh, to Joshua. Yeah, it was Joshua. And as he led them through the River Jordan and how we needed to build altars not only in the, at the end of our problems, but right in the middle of them. And that today's problems will become tomorrow's miracles. And we learned about that last week and uh, as we were looking into the new year. But today I want to talk about uh, something that will never leave you feeling like you're wanting something more. It will never leave you with this void in your life. And that's the presence of God. And there's a story found in Exodus 17, 9 to 11 that I want to read. And it's a story of, of Moses going up against 
the, um, the, uh, the Amalekite army. And I want to read it and then explain a little bit. So it starts in Exodus 17, verses 8. While the people of Israel, Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill holding a staff of God, hence a piece of wood, the staff. I'll lay it back down there. Hold, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff, his hand, uh, hold up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Malachites uh, gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek, Amalek in battle. I believe that this story can paint a picture, not just for the battle many years ago, but the battle that we go through in our lives. Now, I understand that the battle of, of, of uh, pursuing God's presence in our lives is hard sometimes because we have schedules and we have time and we have families and, and things demand our attention. But I want to I look at the story a little bit closer and try to illustrate how, how pursuing the presence of God in our lives can actually make the battle of life a whole lot easier. You may be asking, how does this battle help us illustrate the importance of pursuing God's presence? We have to look at Moses a little bit, bit further back. Moses was born in a time when Pharaoh was killing every boy that was born under the age of two. And Moses was born to an to a Israelite mom. And it, like any mom, would probably rather do without the son, physically, not to have the son killed. So Moses' mom built this, 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 you may have seen pictures if you grew up in, in a Christian home or if you ever went to Sunday school. And if you didn't, that's okay. You're going to learn about it right now. Um, Moses, Moses was put into a basket that was made like a little boat and, and sent out into a river. And as, as Moses was sent out into a river by his mom, his mom was kind of like, well, I'd rather him live than stay with me and be killed. So she sent him out into a river and, and, and he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. So Pharaoh took, took Moses, who was an Israelite, raised him as, as a prince of Egypt. For 40 years, for 40 years, Moses was living in this lie. His mom didn't let him know that he was, he was an Israelite. Raised him as, a, as an Egyptian. And at, at the age of 40, Moses came to find out uh, through a few circumstances that he was actually an Israelite and that he was living a lie. And in that moment, he, he fled from Egypt and he went out into the wilderness. And he, he came to a place uh, called Midian. And in, in Midian, he, he started to become a shepherd. And for 40 other years, he went from royalty, having everything, to a place of having a sh uh, controlling sheep. Now, if you know anything about sheep, they're smelly, and they're dumb, and you don't really want to be around them that much. But here is Moses, royalty to a shepherd. 
There's a few other instances in the Bible that people went from royalty to a shepherd. And we read of this encounter as he was a shepherd that God actually came to Moses and said, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to free the Israelites. I want you to be the messenger of God, to go back to the, to the Egyptians, free the Israelites from slavery. And Moses is like, I can't do that. And we read of an encounter that Moses had in Exodus 4. And, and he had this encounter with God. He said, I want you to go back to, he was like, how am I going to do that? I can't speak. And, 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 and God gave him a friend. He was like, but what, how am I going to do, how am I going to defeat the Egyptians if I don't have anything? So God was like, that's fine. I'll give you a staff. That's literally what we read in Exodus 4, 17 and in verse 20. We read of this encounter where God said, don't worry, I'll give you a piece of, I'll give you a piece of wood. I'll give you a stick. I'll, and the, the, the Bible talks about it as the rod of God or the staff of God, depending on what translation you have. So here, here is Moses going to go back. I don't know what he would do with a piece of stick. If, if I was given this from God saying, use this as your weapon, I would be like, are you kidding me? I'm like, am I supposed to go up and like, like, can I like at least sharpen the edge of this or something? Like, can I, like, I don't, are you going to turn this into like advances because God is like today and forever, maybe you would like turn it into like a AK-47 or something and you just go crazy on the, the, on the Egyptians. But that's not what was happening. And we, we read this, we read this encounter that Moses had where he was giving, given a staff of God. But if you continue reading through the life of the Israelites and of Moses, this piece of wood, this staff that I found belonging to Moses, I thank you, courtesy laugh, was a special piece of wood. If you actually continue reading the story, this staff was, as it says in, in Exodus 4 and 20, that this, this Exodus 4 17, is that this, this will be a rod that will perform miracles. And we read the stories, we, we see in Exodus 4, 3, that this is a staff, when, when Moses threw it down in front of Pharaoh, it turned into a snake. This piece of wood turned into a snake, and when he picked it up, it turned back to wood again. When it touched the water in, in Exodus 7, it became blood. When it, when, it, uh, it, when it was held out over the streams, there was frogs that came out of it. When it hit the dust, locusts uh, came out of it. All in, all in the process of, of showing Pharaoh that God was there to free the Israelites. That God had a message for him and that he was to let the Israelites go. This also was, was the, the staff that was held over the Red Sea. And if you ever watch like uh, the, the movies, the Bible series that's on Netflix. Or there's also um, one that we were going to watch this week, but we didn't. Um, it was one about Moses. It, it's totally not really biblical, but... But it, there is a scene where he holds out the staff and like the water's part. So if you're like Hollywood movie buffs, you were like, maybe I, maybe I seen that one time. Like, this is the staff that, that was held out over the Red Sea to make the water's part so the Israelites could walk through. See, this, this, this stick, this, this, this rod of God was not an ordinary piece of wood. This rod actually represented the power and presence of, of God in the lives of Moses and in the Israelites. So no wonder when, when Moses stood on the top of a hill and he reached up with the staff in his hand, the Bible says, no, no wonder they would win. 
I kind of picture it, it's kind of like, I'm not sure if it was this or if it was, it was a symbol that Moses was reaching for the presence and the power of God in his life. And, and as, as hard as he could reach, and as high as he reached, and the more that he reached, the more that God would, 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 would dwell in, in his life. But something happened when, when it started to drop. And I wonder if that's a, a symbolism for our life. When we reach for the presence of God in our lives, the battle of life might not necessarily get easier, but we have understanding, we have peace, and we know that there's somebody always walking with us. And as we, as we allow the presence and, and the pursuit of, of God to lower some of those things that w- would not phase us as much, start to phase us more. See, for me... In my life, it's a little piece of a little piece of leather. It was everything I pursued up till about the age of 21. I spent eight hours a day dribbling or shooting or spinning or laying on my bed, just throwing the ball up in the air. I'd walk around school with it tucked under my arm. I'd have one in my locker. And I pursued it and pursued it and pursued it. And, and the reality is I, I never played in the NBA, but I went to university to play ball. And I remember my first semester of university. And I was there to play basketball. Most people go to study ball. I went to play basketball. And I remember trying to reach for this. And, and I did want the presence of God in my life, but I wasn't sure which one I wanted more. And I remember having a time in my life where, where the presence of God was, was what I reached for and I allowed everything else to come in under the presence of God and, and, and my dreams and my passions and my desires all, all became number two to pursuing God in my life. But I remember sitting on my bed at, at university and, and pursuing this little piece of rubber so much that, and I remember that, that the presence of God was probably like here. And this sport was all the way up here. And I remember having a conversation with God saying, well, God, I thought this is what would, what would fulfill me. I thought this is what would fill the void. I thought that this, this basketball would give me joy and give me purpose and give me belonging. But I felt like I had more emptiness in my life when my dreams were starting to become reality. But God was taking a back burner. I remember sitting there and having, having a moment saying, God, I don't want this. If this is what it means, I, I, gotta, I gotta lay this down because I wanna pursue the presence of God. I wanna pursue God in my life in such a way that everything else that I do falls in under the pursuit of his presence. Two thousand eighteen could be an awesome year. Could be one of the best years of our lives. Could be the best year of your life. But it will still leave you empty if the number one thing that you pursue is not Jesus Christ. So my question for you today is what are you pursuing? Or in the context of, or in the context of Moses, what are you reaching for? Maybe you're reaching for a good education, fame, fortune. Maybe you're reaching for the perfect relationship, 
or just enough money to be able to retire with a healthy pension. And some of those things are not bad. Some of the things we pursue in our lives we shouldn't be pursuing, but some of them are not bad. But they have to come in under the pursuit of Jesus. Reaching for earthly things will always leave us empty, lots of times broken, unfulfilled. But pursuing his presence, living a life in his presence, you might want more, but you will not feel unfulfilled or empty or that void that comes when we pursue earthly things. It's crazy. The more that I reached for basketball and the more that I reached for that dream in my life, I thought I had life figured out. And to people around me, I probably did. Pursuing education, playing basketball, doing what I spent hours and hours and hours doing. Starting to come to a little bit of a life. the little things in life, temptations seem to be higher. My joy was limited. My passion for things that mattered was lessened. But when we pursue the presence of God in our lives, things might still come our way. but they're way easier to deal with. They're way easier to face if we make it number one. So I just want to take a moment as, as Dan just plays some background music. Just Maybe you want to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment and just, just reflect. Just take a couple, couple minutes to reflect. Is there something in your life that you're pursuing more than the presence of of God. And as you're reflecting, God will start revealing things to you that you may be pursuing more. Just take a moment. Reaching for earthly things will always come up short. But reaching for the presence of God in your life will always fulfill you. We have a, a vision here, a vision statement here that says, seeking truth, finding purpose. If God is not number one in your life, purpose is impossible. If you're here today and, and, and maybe you've never been in church before and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ or even to give this Christianity thing a shot. And you're like, I felt that. I, I feel that in a sense, like no matter what I do in life, there's, there's, no, there's no purpose. There's, there's always this sense of I want more or there's never a sense of belonging or there's a sense of emptiness. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ 
no matter what you pursue in life, no matter how many toys you get, no matter how much money you get, no matter, no matter how many girls you find, no matter what you pursue and no matter what you get, there will always be a sense of emptiness because Jesus Christ made you to have a spot for him in your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's message from Discovery Church. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please email us at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca. 